What's up, everyone? This is going to be an absolutely phenomenal interview that you guys are going to enjoy. But I do want to give a warning. We do touch base on some very sensitive subjects today um, regarding mental health and uh, suicide and all of those things. So if that's something that's a trigger for you guys, please understand that beforehand. But what I appreciate about our guest is the fact that he's going to open up about his struggles as a collegiate athlete, uh, the trans, the, 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 the transition going from high school to collegiate sports and where his story really took a turn and what he's doing now, the platforms that he's built, what he's doing now to take action so that he can help other athletes around the entire globe so that they don't have to go through what he went through, uh, providing them with the resources, the tools and everything necessary to get them the help that they need. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview here on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. You guys should know by now, I'm Shane Larson, host of the show, five and a half years running into this thing, and it has been an amazing Amazing ride so far. As I as I always tell you guys, thank you uh, for joining us on the show today. Thank you guys for listening, for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, one very small way of showing your support is if you have an iPhone or an, any Apple device that you're listening to, to this on, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, not everybody's listening to it on an Apple device. I understand that. But if you have an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac or whatever it is, and you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, if you just leave me a review on the podcast and say some brief words about it, it helps the show get to more people. Um, and I always ask that. Everyone says, oh, leave a review, leave a review. That's why businesses ask for reviews. But the reason for that is because the more reviews you get on a podcast, the further it gets out. And that's how we've been able to reach 93 different countries. And that's why we intend on getting to 100 countries by the end of this year. But the show that I started here out of Boise, Idaho, would never have grown organically like it has without the support of all the listeners. So thank you guys for tuning in over the last five years. For those who have left reviews, who have shared a podcast episode with a friend or family member, all of those little things add up to big things. And that's how we are in the spot where we're at right now. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We've got a special, special interview today. Um, something that's It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I'm grateful for the guest that we have on as he's going to share his story as an athlete, a uh, collegiate athlete. But we're going to be talking about the mental health aspect of it all and uh, what he's doing currently to move uh, things forward in that direction. His name is Delvion Jackson. Delvion, thank you for joining the show, brother. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So I want to rewind the clock and get to know you uh, a little bit better, Delvion. Tell us a little bit about your yourself, where you're from, and uh, a little bit about your athletic background prior to college. So everything up until the college realm. So when did you get into the sports world? Uh, where you're from, like what, what, what's the, what's the background of Delvion Jackson? For sure. Yeah. So, um, I was born in Riverside, California, um, raised, uh, in Idaho. Um, so spent most of my life here, um, basketball wise that really started as long as I can remember. Um, I have older siblings too, and they played, um, and also my grandma, she actually used to take me to hoop too. And like, I really just fell in love with the game, you know, watching, I remember watching, a. It was the all-star break. Um, I forget exactly how old I was. I was pretty young and I was like, wow, like I really wanna, yeah, I wanna play. Um, and I was always trying to play with the older kids <laughs> too, just to just to get better. I wanted to play with my older brother and his friends. And so from there, I kind of just really looked into, okay, what can I do next? Um, and that really started through, you know, AAU, things of that sort. I, I played for Hoop Dreams first. Um, I was about 10, 10 years old. And then from there, um, just it was really after that, uh, ended up playing with Boise Flight um, and was able to just work on my game constantly to get to the point of it was around my junior, senior year where I really noticed those strides of being made. I went to Centennial High School, uh, played there. Um, and so afterwards, um, I did get earn a few scholarships. Um, and that was pretty much the point where I decided, okay, um, I'm going to go to UC Davis. So that was 2017. Um, after Centennial, my senior year, I committed to UC Davis. And uh, that's in, at that point, that was, yeah, that was my decision going to college there. And that's where that started. 
So as we as we re- rewind the clock a little bit, a couple things you mentioned. Hoop Dreams, shout out Hoop Dreams. Uh, one of my idols in my when I was in the fourth grade, Roberto Bergerson, uh, my favorite player at Boise State back then when I was in the fourth or fifth grade. Uh, that guy, I had him on my show four and a half years ago because of that. And uh, he's just, I love Roberto. So shout out to him for what he was able to create and help build with the Hoop Dreams platform while he was there. And then Boise Flight, man, we don't hear much about flight anymore, but Boise Flight was yeah. the, uh, the good old days, man. Back when, my, when I was playing ball, I graduated 2006 um, from from high school, but like Boise Flight and Idaho Select were literally the only ones that were there. So like Boise yeah. Flight, that's, that's, you're speaking my language now when you say Boise Flight. That's cool though. So here's the thing I have, I, you know, you grew up, you're hooping. Grandma was a big part of that too. I mean, you were, you're around the hoop scene, playing with older brothers and, and just the older kids in general, AAU, everything. Like you're talking the club basketball scene, you're playing at Centennial High School, which for those who are listening that are outside of the state of Idaho, that's just a local school here in the Boise area. I'll just say it that way. It's in the Boise area. Um, we call it the Treasure Valley. So all of that, um, as you're working your way and you were a good player, obviously you're getting scholarship offers. So you're at a high level. I want you to talk to us about the, you know, the demands, good and bad, I guess, but just the demands that it takes to be able to, to play at that level. Because some people might say, Delvion, like, oh, well, he was just an athlete. He was gifted with that. But you have to work. I mean, some people are gifted athletically in some forms, but you still have to put in the work. So I'm curious. You know, talk to us about that in that high school realm, like from the time you were 10 years old up until the time you graduated high school, the work that was required to continuously improve on your game. Right. So um, even in like high school prior to um, it was really around my. Like end of freshman year, because um, I I did spend that year play, playing at Capitol on the JV team there. Um, and it was after that where I, w- I wanted to take those next strides and really like grow in my game. I, at the time I was probably about 5'11". Um, so I, I grew a ton since then, but in that, um, as far as the demands go, I mean, it was constant, just like I knew where I wanted to be and I needed to basically make a plan of like, okay, this is how I'm going to get there. And I needed mentors along the way. Um, Roberto Bergeson, one of those guys, you know, getting in extra workouts, um, always, you know, let me know when the workouts are, uh, when open gyms are. So going to those, um, extra shots, thousands and thousands of shots, um, and just really seeking every opportunity and every chance to be able to get better. Um, that entailed strength and conditioning too. Um, I had a trainer with V3 Fitness, uh, Victoria uh, Villarreal. She helped me out a ton. Um, Keyshawn Liggins, uh, he's a guy where we spent countless hours in the gym um, every day and just knowing that, okay, this is all for something I know I wanna be. And I know it's not just getting there. It's like, okay, once I get there, then I want to excel there too at the college level. So we worked like that when I was in high school, like not just preparing with, okay, this is high school, but no, like there's next, there's a level after this too, to perform at. So, and it was just the discipline too, which I mean, at times like it was very difficult. Like I'm, you know, like I didn't always feel like there's something like I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but it was like, okay, I need to push myself because I know here's, here's the goals that I have. And, the only way that's going to happen is, I mean, I have to do the work. I have the tools provided, but I have to go take those opportunities and equip myself with people around me who are supporting me in that. I love that you just said that. You referenced all these different names uh, prior to that. I mean, you mentioned Bertie, you mentioned, I think you said Valerie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Victoria. Victoria. Why did I say Valerie? I don't know why I said Valerie. Maybe you said her, her last name. name. Yeah. Okay. That's why. So you got Berto, yeah. Victoria, you got Keyshawn. Um, you mentioned all these guys or all these people. Um, and then you mentioned right there, I was just about to ask you a question and you were talking about the discipline, even when you didn't want to be there. Cause that's the majority of times people probably don't want to do the work. It sucks. Um, but you, and then you sent you, you followed that with surrounded yourself with the right people, right? You're surrounded by the right people. You mentioned all those names first. And then you said, you know, I surrounded with the right people. So I kind of answered my question right there. It's like, you know, how, how do you get through it? It sounds like you were, you had the discipline, but you were surrounding yourself with the right people to help you maintain that, that discipline and that, that track. So Shout out to you. Um, I also want to shout out Keyshawn. <clears throat> I shouted out Berto earlier. Keyshawn's been on my show before from Adversity Athletes. He was on the show last year. I'm actually yeah. coaching with Keyshawn at Idaho Premier. He's helping us with a lot of the, helping the kids with some stuff at the club right now. But uh, shout out Keyshawn as well. It's cool to hear all these names that you're dropping right now. Just yeah. such positive figures uh, around here that are helping athletes. But here's something, Delvion. Prior to the college world, you knew what it took from a physical perspective. <clears throat> Pardon me, but 
did you ever like go, growing up through high school or anything, did you battle with any kind of mental health issues at that point, as far as like anxiety, uh, depression or anything, or did you even know it notice at the time? And I'm not trying to dog on any trainers cause I love everyone that you just mentioned. It's awesome. But did that ever get brought up amongst all the training that you were doing to prepare for the next level? Did you prepare for the transition from high school to college from a mental perspective? Uh, so from, from the mental perspective, uh, for me, I think to be honest, um, I wasn't as prepared as I thought that I was. It was also focused in the game of basketball that there was a lot of things I just overlooked and didn't even really channel into until it started happening in college, really around the end of my senior year. Um, there were things even about myself that I was like, okay, does everybody go through this? Why am I feeling this way? Um, some, some anxiety, things of that sort, or just things I knew. I'm like, okay, this is not something that I've been through before, but I just was like, oh, it'll go away or something like that. It's, uh, it's part of it. Um, things of that sort. And then once college hit, once you make that transition from high school to college, I was just like, it, it really hit me, um, especially being away from home um, and things of that sort. I think some of those things kind of started to surface a little bit. And so I was forced to face it. And at the time, didn't really know how. Hence, kind of, you know, what we're getting into. So totally. No, and 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 I and I'm smiling while you say this because it's it's helping me understand. I'm like starting to see a light there in a pattern. I think that's something that we'll talk about in just a minute. But we have tons and tons of training for everyone. So many resources for people to get better. You were you mentioned specifically. I was seeking every single opportunity to get better. You you, you were you were getting like from the skill set, the strength, conditioning, shots up, everything from a physical aspect. You were getting better. I think it personally, like what we're lacking though is in the mental side of things because this is about that time frame and the age you said around your senior year, even the star athletes <clears throat> go through struggles. And uh, that's a problem. I think a lot of star athletes are scared to talk out about it too, because they're a star athlete. Yeah, they shouldn't have those problems. Like they're, they have all the glamor, the glory, you know what I mean? What, right. what do they have to worry about? And that's the, that's sounds so cliche because people hear that all the time, but it's like, no, that's true. That's really like they're battling with things just like anybody else battles with things just because they might be good on the basketball court. Doesn't mean they don't have, struggles at home or with whatever it may be things happen so anywho as you're going into uc davis you said you mentioned this you 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 get it you get your your scholarship offer you're going into the college game yeah and i want to talk about that transition not only from a, a mental side but from a physical side and everything that it takes that maybe a, a high school athlete right now that's looking forward like i just i can't wait to go to college next year whether it's a juco or wherever yeah. Talk to us about that transition. So maybe somebody who doesn't fully understand what it's going to be like, at least has a realistic expectation of what it's like to transition from the high school game to the college game. And it's away from home. Right. So um, just a little bit of context with UC Davis is once I initially left, I went during the summer because I wanted to get in early, get those workouts in, get in everything that I could and just get acclimated to the area, things of that sort. So I did do that over the summer. And I remember uh, being out there with uh, was one of the point guards at the time. His name's uh, TJ Shorts, currently playing professionally. So he's he a good dude. Um, and I remember get, getting out there and instantly from the time like I stepped on campus, it was like, okay, yeah, put your stuff with it. And then, all right, workouts, we're in the gym. Like, okay. I'm like, all right, that was, that was, that was quick. But um, so we're in there and I just remember it was one workout, then another workout, then okay now weights strength and conditioning and i'm like oh okay that's it for the day like cool and then it's like you know tj asked me he's like hey so let's get some more shots up tonight i'm thinking okay we'll just get a couple of shots and he's full workout mode like sprints <laughs> like i'm like oh my goodness and prior to uc davis i got in 2016 that just went to march madness so they played kansas uh right before so like if they have guys are turning there we're like we're trying to we're trying to make it back there like dudes are really in the gym like that and I, I mean, I was, it was just a lot of the stuff. It was like, kind of like a reset. Like I felt like in high school, I kind of was like, okay, you know, at the I was one of the top players. So and I got to UC Davis and it was like, okay, now you're, you're back. You, you wait your turn, you know, type of thing. And that took some getting used to in the sense of like, I was seeing the workers thinking I was getting pushed around. I was no longer pushing other people around on the court. You know what I mean? Um, and then just not only that side of it is, you know, still taking classes, um, still had, some film sessions, things of that sort. I'm learning different terminologies, different jargon and coming to the coach's office, having these talks. And I just remember too, just kind of like zooming out. There's so many times where I would just zoom out and be like, what's going on? Like, 
where where's I, where's my structure at? And I knew that very early on, and I didn't even say anything about it really till after the first semester was over. So, yeah. Wow, dude. So it sounds kind of like a storm. Uh, it's like yeah. a storm of, of stuff. It's not all bad, but um, yeah. there are some things. And, I, and it, the whole point I asked you that question was not to scare any of the listeners that it might be high school athletes trying to get into the the college game or something. It's not to. It's not necessarily to scare. It's more right. so to just bring a realistic expectation. Sorry, I'm trying to see if my wife can bring me some water here in the because I'm coughing. Um, But anyway, so my my whole point of asking that question was specifically to kind of give that realistic expectation because even for myself, I never got to play at the next level as far as college basketball or anything of that nature, but I did actually have a little taste of collegiate athletics with boxing. And now people will say, what are you talking about? Well, at Boise State, I was was, uh, fighting for their club team. So everyone's like, oh, it's a club. Well, we actually did practice and we had fights with other schools and everything. So we did train. It was only four days a week. But I will tell you right now, that alone I used to bother me because I'm like, man, I got to go to school. I hated some of my classes. Some of the stuff is great, but you know, you add academics on top of it. And I'm in this art class that I'm literally have no interest in at all. And I'm failing it for some reason. And then I have to go to boxing practice, go get my head smashed in for an hour and a half. Then I got to go home, do homework after I just got my head smashed in. And we're going to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. And like, you can handle that sometimes for a couple days in a row. Uh, right. But over the course of a couple weeks, it, it, it becomes taxing. And that was only a few, dude, what you just mentioned right there, way more physically demanding and mentally taxing than anything I ever experienced. But I remember thinking to myself, all my friends that were at Boise State that were going through football at the time in 2006, 2007, when Boise State was making their major run uh, towards the Fiesta Bowl the first year against Oklahoma, they, uh, I mean, I heard about their workouts and I was like, this is, this is insane. I mean, they're up at like six o'clock every day. They're lifting, they're either at study hall, they're doing this. I mean, it's not, that's a full-time job. And if you're not used to that, it can be very, very taxing. So talk to me, Delvion, about that that first year. You said you were mentioned, like, where's the structure at? You noticed things were were tough. Where did it really, or when did it really start to take a dive for you as far as, like, spiraling a little bit out of control? Right. So, um, I mean, getting into it uh, over the summer, I was actually doing really well. Um, I mean, academic, I've always done really well. Um on the athletic side, you know, I was I was performing. Everything was like tracked, uh, statistical data, things of that sort. And I was at one of the top guys, um, projected starter as well. Um, things are going good. It really started to slow down. Like for me, when I actually got injured, um, I got in a bike wreck. Um, wow. UC Davis is a huge campus with like lots of bikes. Um, so I was going around one of the roundabouts and just kind of twisted up my ankle, got hurt. Um, and when I was out, I realized like, okay, now I'm on campus and I can't play basketball right now. Like, what am I doing? I, you know, um, and it really forced me to sit and reflect on what am I doing outside of basketball? What is something, you know, and I realized I didn't really have a whole lot of things I had channeled into at that point. Um, and then as we got through the year, um, I realized that some of the days I just started to, I wasn't attacking them like I was, like I was used to. I was just more so getting through them, just getting through workouts, getting through practice um, instead of, you know, thriving in those and being like right. there and being present. I was struggling to be present in that. And that's when I really like knew that something was, was off in that sense. I had gotten another injury. Uh, the team, we were playing at Hawaii and I was just in my dorm room just by myself. And um, that's when I really was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I sat there, looked in the mirror and it's it kind of very, very confusing. Like what my role is outside of basketball. Like I put so much of my time, all my entire life into this game that when I'm not playing, I'm just like a little confused on like where, I, where I'm at, like what I'm supposed to be doing. So your identity, it's almost like, you know, a lot of athletes put their identity into the sport. Um, yeah. And when it's taken from them, it's very, very difficult to kind of find yourself. So what, knowing that piece of it right there, and that's also interesting. I mean, you mentioned a bike accident. Something as freaky as a bike accident can kind of like, it has nothing to do with the sport itself or anything like that. People might think, what? But that those are the things that happen more <laughs> frequently than you think. Like those random things that happen that can like, that you don't see coming, uh, the blind side shots, if you will, that kind of take you off of your your track. Um, right. You can spiral out of control. It's just It's just crazy, but... I guess knowing what you know now, Delvion, 
what advice would you give to those athletes? Maybe they're in their first year at college and they're starting to notice something about that. Maybe something goes, maybe they sprain their ax- their ankle at practice or something. Maybe it's not something that's freak, freak accident, like a bike, yeah. bike accident, but let's say that they're out and all of a sudden they're starting to feel similar feelings. What would you say now compared, you know, now that you know what happened back then, what would you tell them to do now? Um, I would say such the preparation and proactive measures before things get to that point, especially like for me, um, I start to realize on the mental health side of it, there was a lot of things that I could have been doing for self to have a community outside of just UC Davis basketball at the time. Um, I love my teammates. Love the co- it was great in the sense of, you know, direct basketball things and even stuff I would talk about outside of that. But I really started to realize when I wasn't playing and when I was sitting in my dorm room by myself, like, where's it? I need another, I need community. I need, I didn't even know where campus things on campus were regarding mental health, um, counseling, things of that sort. And at the time, like I did reach a low point where I didn't even care to even help myself in that afterwards. Um, but I would say just a proactive measure, um, getting in network uh, with people. Uh, even even now, like for me, it's it's still doing that for self and for others, um, using my story to to help others. So it, when things get like that or to that point, it's, you're equipped with the tools to go about it. Um, in a manner that's ensured like you're going to be okay. So totally. I like that. Equipping yourself with the tools, but I want to get deeper into your story too. Cause people might hear you. Okay. Your story, your story, it right. gets deeper than that. People. I just, so you guys understand, like this was just the beginning parts of Delvion, you know, struggling with to a deep degree with uh, the mental health side of things. Your anxiety starts to spin. Depression starts to kick in. Yeah. Um, but let's get deeper into your story here. What ended up happening? You know, like, because some people might say, oh, well, did he fight his way out of it? Well, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. So if you don't mind, let's bring up, you know, the tough part of the conversation, which is when things really got out of control. Right. Yeah. So when things really uh, started to spiral downhill, um, it was basically Febu- yeah, February 18th. I uh, was in my dorm room by myself, uh, still injured, too, by the way. Um, and I uh, the team was gone. And so it's just me and. I just noticed like those feelings that depression kicked in and I was just by myself in that. And there had been a couple of days prior to where I already knew this is not going good, but didn't do anything about it. Um, I did that night. That was the first time to at the UC Davis campus where I was like, I, I didn't want to live anymore. Um, I did. That was a night I did. a That was a suicide attempt that night. So um, that was on the UC Davis campus. Uh, I did. Um, three, three police officers actually found me, um, uh, that night and they were able to help me. They saved my life really. Um, so then those are officers still like, even now, um, like I talked to one, um, they saw me like, remember who I was obviously, but yeah, I, I ended up after that night being, uh, I, I was hospitalized that night. Um, and so after that, it kind of starts a whole new avenue of like, where am I going next? Things of that sort. So. Your your story is extremely powerful, and so that's where I want to I want to kind of unbox this because people might hear you just brush over that real quick, right? And we don't need to necessarily go into specifics, but the fact that you were hospitalized, the fact that it got that deep, the fact that it got that dark, and I'm sitting here taking notes, and I don't I can't even take them fast enough. I'm sitting here like trying to type here. I'm like messing yeah. myself on here with the notes. I'm like, dude, there's a lot that goes in here. Just so everybody knows, when I'm interviewing. These people, I'll do my my best to kind of get some background on it. But when Delvion's sharing the story, this is the first time hearing this deep of the story. So I'm trying to take notes myself. One of the things you you had mentioned there, the three officers had shown up. Talk about this real quick. You had gotten to a point where you're like, hey, I'm going to take my life. Right. So, um, well, like the the officers, though, for for example, Delvion, like, how did that even happen? Did you call them? Uh, Did somebody call them? Or was it just by the grace of God that they showed up? Right. So uh, that night, too, I remember um, being in my dorm. I had written kind of like a letter and then left. Um, and I think, too, someone had, uh, someone saw me uh, walking across the campus. I remember, actually, that I could hear like siren noises and they had headed towards my dorm, but I wasn't there. And I just kept walking. They passed right by me. They didn't know that I was the person that they're supposed to be oh, looking wow. for. Yeah, so um, that was kind of that in sense of, I mean, too, I was going to keep walking anyway. At that time, I was like, if they stop me, they stop me. But, you know, type of thing. Um, kind of backtracking a little bit. Um, some, 
prior to even all of this, I had brought some stuff up to some of the coaching staff of, hey, like I'm not been feeling like myself. Um, and this was after a practice and he genuinely meant this. So it's nothing against him. He was like, hey, we don't specialize. We're not mental health professionals. We don't specialize in that. And it wasn't like he didn't want to deal with it. He was just giving me his honest, like, hey, like I feel for you. Like I, I'm sorry for like what you're going through. Um, if there's anything we can do, like I'll do my best, but like, that's not our specialty. And that's when I was just kind of like, okay, well, at that point I did what I need to do. I'm telling someone and it's still like, where else, what else do I do? So, um, and then leading into that, obviously they were on the road. I was by myself, all that kicked in. And then that led to what that led to that night. Um, but the officers, it was actually the location where I was at, um, which I don't know if it's too much or whatever, but they they saw me. Um, I was at a, a location where it was easy for the view was easy for people to see. Okay, there's a person there, so they ended up uh, talking to me. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start right there. I'm I'm transparent about like I said, but I just realized <laughs> some of it is you know. No, I mean, and I appreciate whatever you're comfortable sharing is what we'll put here because at the yeah. beginning of this we'll have a disclaimer for anybody um, as as a warning. But I I think it's important. Um, Someone like myself who has uh, battled with anxiety and depression my entire life, um, it's hard for me to like talk to certain people about it who don't fully understand it. Um, and I guess the question that oftentimes comes up to me, which I'll, I'll relate to you, is how does one get to that point, right, where you actually have made the decision to take an action to then take your own life? Um, how does someone get that dark, right? right. So maybe if you could... Because some again, we're gonna go back. You're an athlete. You're at a college level, but people yeah. they're now understanding what was going on behind the scenes. Like you were struggling with a lot of stuff. You reached out to your coach. You had done what you felt was your due diligence in finding the resources necessary. Yeah, and you just couldn't find anything. So, how does one, in your opinion, get to that point to get that low to then actually take the actions to take their own life? Right. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll just say before all this. I'm very transparent about all this now. Like for me, I'm I'm actually like happy to share these things. Um and just so I'm just kind of saying that now in the sense of like it doesn't, I'm I'm very open about this um and willing to so I'm just gonna get into it and then you just let me know. Um okay. we'll go from there. So um up to that point, I think there was a there was a lot of things from my past that I hadn't dealt with or didn't even know certain things. It was at a subconscious level that were bothering me until like in the environment changing, you know, leaving high school, that environment changes certain things that kind of catalyze those triggers. There's things about myself that I didn't even realize bothered me or that I was struggling with until college. It was kind of that environment that I didn't properly prepare myself for. And since before getting there to now I'm like, okay, I have to deal with these things. Okay. Now I'm not playing basketball. I am alone out here and now I have to admit that that is something that that's scary for me, you know? Um, but yeah, instance to where once I wasn't playing um, at that point, I would to also say too, um, after that injury as well, I was not in a position to where I should have been alone. I was on some medication for the injury along with, I will say I've been diagnosed with bipolar one. So that mixed, and it was undiagnosed at that point. So I didn't know I had it. So that mix probably was, was not good. Um, but yeah, so during that, um, and up to that point, um, basically when I made that decision, it was one of those things where I thought it was going to just kind of rid me of like everything, you know, like, I don't want to go, whatever it is, I just don't want to feel this anymore. Um, so that was going into that. I remember having those thoughts and having those sort of like implications on my mind of like, this is where I'm at with it. Okay clearly like now and like seeing on the other side of it, it's like that story too. And like being a student athlete is like, everyone highlights all the, you know, the, the sports side of it, like this is all, you know, you make new friends, um, you're going on the road, travel, trip, all that is great. It, it really is. But it's like, there is another side to it too, that like, isn't addressed. And that's part of like what I went through in that, uh, when I was in those dark times of like, okay, how am I going to go about it? Who do I turn to? Where's the community resource? Who, who, who can I call? Like, 
outside of just a crisis line that you're handed, you know, there's more preventative measures before it's to that point. I am so glad you like have opened up about this, man. It's, it's super cool because I think so many more people are struggling with this than you would actually see. I think it, it's one of those things that a lot, especially athletes, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a guy, a girl, whatever athletes struggle with it a lot because they're, they're putting on this front that they're born and raised to be tough guys, right? They're, that's what we are. That's, you know, right. we fight through adversity, you know, sports do teach us a lot about life. There's a lot of adversity and whatnot, and you have to find out a, a way to, to weather the storm and, and whatnot. So almost, it's almost like it's ingrained in us to hold that stuff back and fight through it. But eventually I'll use another boxing analogy here. If you take too many body shots, it'll wear you down. Uh, it can uh, body shots over time wear you down in a fight. And sometimes if they're not handled properly or you don't know how to defend yourself properly, you get caught with enough of them. You, you can go down. doesn't matter how big and bad you are. Right. So talking about that, you know, you're talking about these resources, you know, what have you done? I want to talk about what you've started now and what you would advocate for in regards to the resources that need to be available for these young athletes across the world. Right. So as far as, and this is with to what I'm doing with Persevere Innovation um, is a lot of those things stem from restructuring um, and within the athletic departments in general is like, you know, someone directly working with these teams and some programs have already implemented things like this, but it's not everywhere. You know what I mean? And I think uh, a lot of that is, you know, having those sports psychologists directly working with team specific things, um, even on the road in road games. I've had teammates have panic attacks mid game and there's nobody there. Like, um, what are we, how are we going to go about this? What are we just people there to directly assist um, evaluations and beforehand sports psychologists, psychiatrists, and or even therapists where do these student athletes have to use that resource? No, but at least it's offered. At least they can if they need it. Better to have it, not need it than need it and not have it. So that's that's kind of one of the main focuses of that. And then the other thing is, and as far as the feasibility measure, obviously it's one of those things too. There's lots of, you know, category, like the financial piece, what's the, and that's one of the things too with how, I mean, I think you saw with, with for example, Texas and what they spend in their locker rooms, things of that sort. Um, you know, 12,000 some dollars on an individual locker itself. It's like the allocation of those, it's the student athletes that need to be healthy to play. And it's like, where are we investing that at? Where is that going? Um, so it's kind of that restructuring in the sense of my role is basically equipping these student athletes with community health resources and mental health resources beforehand. Even at the high school level, it's like, these are high schoolers transitioning into college who are gonna go through some of those things, some of the same things I went through. And if they have these resources, um, even if it's THO, the hidden opponent, which I'm the ambassador for, is like, that's a resource in itself. Um, things like AIA, um, all of those things are contributive and helpful uh, for these athletes, um, these student athletes to first off be in tune with their community and then also build from that and help each other out, so. I'm going to say a couple of things restructuring. I love that you just broke that down because every question that I had kind of lined up, I had three of them. Yeah. You already answered that. So that's perfect. Like I was about to ask a couple of follow-up questions to that, but the whole idea of restructuring, I just want to focus on that. I love that you brought up, you know, the amount that Texas spends, you know, I mean, we need to figure out how, where we're allocating these funds. Yeah. I know not every university, especially the lower level universities, has the same funds in their athletic departments and so forth. But you can restructure. I love the word restructure because, dude, like you can not everyone's bringing in two billion dollars a year like the Michigans and Ohio States and whatnot. Right. But, right. but there's enough to be able to bring in people for this. It's like, you know, Delvin, what I think about it as as I've talked to more sports psychiatrists on the show. Uh, I had Lisa Bontasumi. She's I think it's the Oakland Roots. I can't remember. It's a soccer club in Oakland. She's working with them as a sports psychologist. Sarah Meister, um, she played Division One volleyball, and they had one for their team at Missouri. Um, and she said from her junior and senior year compared to her freshman, sophomore year, just having one on staff, which you specifically just mentioned, it's there for you to use. If you don't use it, great, but it's there for you to use if you want to. And they did. They had team activities. They had someone to speak to at all times. They did a lot of different things. She said the difference in her entire mental game shifted completely when they had that on staff, you know? It's it's monumental, and the athletes are the ones driving the money in there anyway. So that's another point I wanted to make is you you brought it up. Like, yeah, not everybody has the same funds, but the funds they do get are being driven by the athletic performance from these athletes. That's the reality of the situation. So yeah. it needs to go back into them. I think of it kind of like this. 
it's almost like insurance in the real world. Like you get insurance and that'll pay for your like surgeries and stuff or cover a lot, like a big portion of your surgeries. But if you want to go take like, you know, uh, proactive care, such as massage therapy or chiropractic care for those who'd like to do that or any of those things, typically what happens is insurance only pays for like 12 visits. It's like, oh, we'll give you up to 12 visits, but because this is proactive care, it's not necessarily needed. Um, we're not going to cover it all. And I feel like that's kind of what the NCAA and just a lot of colleges, a lot of programs in general, kind of they view this mental health thing as just eh, it, maybe we'll do it a little bit, but we're not going to put a ton of resources into it because it's not necessary. When in reality, it's just as important as your physical and, and, and strength conditioning, that kind of thing. So I'm so glad you you have started all this. Now, I want you to talk about so you mentioned Persevere Innovation. You, you have a GoFundMe link. Like, how can we get more information on this? How can we? contribute to this and how can people like how can people reach out to you to, to find out more about how how can they get in on this because i've got tons of connections that would probably love to join forces and try to help you out right so um i started the idea for this in 2019 before it was called persevere innovation and um, this is when i was at northwest nazarene university at nnu um and since then like i've been able to restructure some things um kind of develop a team and just things of that sort so with Persevere Innovation is like, even the GoFundMe, for example, I'm also the ambassador for THO, the hidden opponent with USC volleyball player, Victoria Garrick, who used to play. Um, so she kind of started that and put me in that with everything that I'm doing with Persevere Innovation, our missions align in that, and that's advocating for student, these student athletes. So even on the GoFundMe, it's partnered with THO and Again, it's filtering that back into that, that mission as well, um, which in turn, like spreading those things, it's basically building the community and expanding, expanding the platform, making this something that's more uh, brought to the surface, um, strength in numbers kind of thing, you know? Um, so for me too, with that is, you know, like even now, um, as far as like helping and it's more so, it's, it's really at heart something that I want to do. I mean, I'll just be transparent financially. I've funded personal capital into this, like, just to get the message out. If I'm investing in someone else's life to make a positive a positive impact with my story, then I want to do that. And that's what I've been able to do here. Um, and I've had people ask me personally, like, hey, like, I've heard your story or like, or people that know me and they're just like, wow, like, you know, I deal with this. I mean, I didn't knew I had teachers talking to me about, you know, this is much needed. I have a son or I have a daughter or my daughter's friend who went through this and some unfortunately aren't here today. And so they're like, we want to get this out there. Um, so things of that, I would just say, I do have a website that is being restructured, um, just certain updates. And so things like, I mean, subscribing to that, or if it's my events, I do have a TED talk, uh, TEDx talk. I was supposed to deliver one back in 2020, but COVID happened. So since then, even now, like just kind of getting that out there, getting that link around and sending that, it, all of those things help and then just subscribing to tho as well um that's a that's a great platform that is you know the mission statement again aligns and it's all of it is is good um and then at the moment that's just kind of what i have i i did have another envelope of notes that i unfortunately forgot to bring but um for now that's some of the things that immediately came to mind when you asked as far as you know spreading it and the advocacy and expanding the platform I love that, man. So you said subscribing to THO. You mentioned, you know, the hidden opponent a couple of times. How do yeah. we subscribe to THO? Like when someone says subscribe to THO, how, how do, you, do you go to the website? What what What's the way to subscribe? Right. So, um, I mean, you can go through Victoria Garrick's Instagram page directly, or there is a website for the hidden opponent. Um, I did include that in my GoFundMe link as well as one of the sub links in there. So they have that. Um, I do have a couple of notes here. Um, and that is... They have various sections um, of ways to contribute. Um, some of that too is just like, they have like pop-ups. Um, Victoria herself, they have these Zoom rooms, just weekly check-ins, student athlete weekly check-ins. And with Persevere Innovation and helping these student athletes out on campuses, it's appointing them to, hey, there's another growth group here in a way of with the hidden opponent that you can attend. Um, just weekly events like that. They have all those in subsections within the website on THO. And on my website, that's being updated. It's the same kind of thing. So that is rad, man. Okay, cool. So what we'll do is for those listening, check the description of the podcast. We're going to have these listed here, some links, some areas to go. I'll have to go fund me for uh, Persevere Innovation as well. So you guys can see, because like uh, Delvion mentioned, you can see the sub links in there as well for some different things. But we'll have all the links here that he's mentioned 
Um, but I also encourage you guys to take notes. This is what I do when I'm when I'm talking to someone on a podcast. I tell everybody this all the time. I have my phone right here, okay, and I'm yes. I've got your stuff listed right here on one, and then I got another tab where I'm taking notes, okay. So I'll, I'll open yes. up my notepad. So like when you're talking about stories, I'm like, okay, I, that's what I want to hear. And then I also have my notepad on my computer sometimes that I'll like type little things up. So I'm always taking notes when I'm on a podcast because I if you say something that's a golden nugget, I want to I want to touch base on that. So I encourage anyone who's listening to podcasts, especially this one right here. Yes. It's take crazy. notes. Exactly. You got a phone, paper, yeah. everything. Take some notes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So take some notes, guys. Now, now, Delvion, what we've appreciated is your honesty and your openness about this, and the fact that you have actually not only just gone through some things, but you are now taking the action steps to create a solution. There's so many people who complain about stuff, like, oh, we don't have enough resources for our mental health, or whatever. Okay, well, what are you doing to fix it? Right. Well, right. I shouldn't have to do anything. They should already be doing this. Like, which is a common uh complaint i've heard and i've probably made it myself a couple of times in my life um but the fact that you are i commend you for this because you are taking the actions necessary to to come up with a solution but what a lot of people might want to know too is like we talked about your basketball journey right yeah and uh you you mentioned nnu so the last that i had talked to you you know we had talked about uc davis and what happened when you, the, the the very bad night that you had and how you kind of got through it then you mentioned nnu so people are probably wondering like what's going on with his basketball journey? Is it over? What, what happened after that? So do you mind maybe just touching base, circling back and kind of sharing with people, you know, yeah, you had a bad night and you probably, you know, we'll talk about your mental health struggles. You may still have, but what's going on with the athletic career as well? Right. Um, so with uh, basketball wise and on the, yeah, the athletics and in general, um, I did. So this was a story. I went from UC Davis to Northwest Nazarene to North Idaho college to back to i went to canisius it's a it's in new york in the mac conference same conference as st peter's so yeah oh, that. Got out st. Peter's. So, <laughs> yep so i um, was out there um prior to i will i will say i had a for personal and family reason did end up leaving canisius as far as you know coaches very supportive understood why so they left that for personal reasons and for now to here i'll just leave that for personal reasons but um i am in the process of transferring um as well as there are some other options still in that of if i don't want to take this next year in college um some other routes um some of those stem from professional routes too so so you're looking to still continue playing ball it's kind yeah. of what it's like so you haven't given up on the j so that's what i also yeah. want to talk about brother it's like you what what some people might hear is be like man delvion like it spiraled out of control and then what happened you, yeah, there's a lot of things that have happened in between there. Like you've been putting stuff together, building these platforms, but you're also not letting your dream go. You're trying to find ways to help, help you work alongside that with your, with your mental health struggles. But here's another question for you. Then you said you were diagnosed with bipolar one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. Just because you had a, a, you know, you had this life changing experience where you try to take your own life and we give credit to the officers and by God's grace, you, you're still here to be able to share your story and do all these things. That doesn't mean I don't think that you probably don't still struggle with those things. So correct right. me if I'm wrong. Do you still go through, you know, waves of, of time where maybe anxiety is really high and stuff? And, and how do you now overcome those compared to when you, you know, flash back to the olden days at UC Davis that weren't quite honestly that long ago in the grand scheme of things? But mm -hmm. how do you now how have you now felt the difference in how you cope with certain struggles compared to then? Right. Um, and I think it's part of it in its name itself as far as like persevering. Um, I think, it, yeah, through those adversities and even now, like, you're right. Absolutely. I still do have my struggles uh, with that. Um, and so in this time, like I still, I saw my counselor, therapist, uh, psychiatrist, things of that sort that, you know, I have to stay on top of too, um, which I do. And just in that, I'm also wanting to, and I obviously have the willingness to help other people in that, um, you know, days, I mean, some some weeks are rough some weeks are great like it's we all have that in general but um dealing with that has been good i had to stay in the process um for my overall like mental health for me as a person and really too where my faith aligned spiritually just um going through that in prayer as well uh people that i can count on um to be there for me uh, during times of struggling so even now i would say that um this is one of the things my coach told me at Canisius, uh, Coach Reggie Witherspoon. I really appreciate that guy. He knew everything that I had, and he 
did the work to ensure that I was going to be okay. I gave him like, as far as like my files and things of that sort, everything that I had going on, he went the extra route to make sure that things were in place. So by the time I got to New York, I already had doctors there. I already had people there um, to that were willing to help me out. And so I, I would just say I had to be process oriented. Bipolar is something that you have your whole life. It doesn't go away. Uh, there's no cure for it. So I'm going to deal with this the rest of my life. And knowing that is like, be process oriented when it's result oriented. It's like, well, I went to this treatment or I did this and I did that. Why am I, why do I still have this struggle? It was supposed to fix it. Right. It's, it's all part of the process and all part of growth. So back in 2017, when I look how far, far I've come since UC Davis and even a little bit in high school to now, I was able to take those breaks in time from when I wasn't playing to understand myself better and understand, okay, this is something that I have and I'm going to have it the rest of my life. And that's okay as long as I'm taking proactive measures. I have a community. Um, I can not only take care of myself, but in the sense of now I can extend that and what I learned about self to help others who may go through some of the same scenarios and situations, which is really what I'm doing right now with Persevere Innovation. Man, it's so cool. Isn't it cool to see like the growth? Like it's something that you'll live with forever. Like bipolar is something you're going to live with, but you have now seen like, I love the process oriented versus results. Like the, that whole thing being process oriented, you know that now more so about yourself, like what you need to be doing. You're taking those steps. And I'm glad that you shared that and we're open about the fact that you'll, you'll still have good weeks, bad weeks and whatever. Um, it doesn't just automatically change just because you have a platform that you're trying to help other people with. It doesn't mean you don't have your own struggles still. Um, right. But you're, you're finding ways to equip yourself with the right, the right people, the right resources, the right tools, if you will, um, to, to better manage those things as you continue on throughout your journey. Cause it's a lifelong journey, right? It's yep. uh it's lifelong. It's not just in the moment. Um, you do have to, you have to understand those things. And I think that's awesome, man. And I love the fact that you kept your dream going for basketball. So to that point, man, we've, we've learned about all your, your awesome stuff that you're doing. And I, and I'm so excited to like share this with other people that I know, like, as soon as I get off this, I'm writing all my friends. I'm saying, Hey, listen, here's this guy's stuff. I'm telling them all because this is unbelievable to me, but I want to know, like, let's take basketball, the sport itself, the beautiful sport of basketball. What would you say Delvion in the sport of basketball is the best life lesson you have taken from the sport? Like what is the biggest thing it's taught you so far? I mean, you might learn more as you go on to play, continuing on to play in, in your, in your life, but till now, what's the biggest life lesson? Um, for me, it's just been, it's really running your own race. Like nobody's journey is the same. Um, in the sense of like comparison, a lot of times it's easy to, when I compare, um, even the work that I knew I was putting in, I'm like, well, I'm working this hard and I'm in the gym this amount of time and this person is, and it, I already had it wrong right there. It's like, you know, this is this is something where I'm blessed for every part of it, every, the good, the ups, the downs, rather I score 30 points or never step in the game. It's like, you know, everything's a blessing in the sense of perspective. It's like, I woke up today I'm able to play bas basketball, you know, it's a gift. Um, I've been provided with gifts to be able to play and be able to make friends. It was really to not focus so much on the sense of the game of basketball. It's like, what connections have I built? You know, like I built so many connections, been in places that I would have never been. And when I started to see it that way, I stopped putting so much pressure on myself. Um, you know, and that's the sense of even being process oriented, not result is like, rather I'm going to work out and I'm like, miss 10 shots in a row and I'm supposed to shoot it a certain way. My coach wants me to shoot it to fix something. It's like, it's part of the process. If I focus on, oh, I miss, but it's like, okay, I can shoot a shot over my head like that. And if I make it, does that mean I'm going to stick with it? No, everything's a process and like good, bad, whatever you want to wait. And it's just like, it's, it's the journey. What am I learning along the way? Who, what connections have I made? And up to this point, even now that I'm talking to you, it's like, that's another thing. That's all part of it. So. I love it, man. Oh man. The journey, the, the process oriented. That's like one of the focal points of this now is process the, the process. Enjoy the journey. I hope those who are listening have taken notes. And if you didn't catch all that, rewind it just a couple minutes. Listen to what Delvion's response was right there about basketball. Just the little things like that and understanding, having a different perspective on it. I wonder if people at a younger age began to think that way and condition their minds that way, if it would change the way in which they go about and the way it might change some of the stressors. It might change some of the way they like, you know, hang their head. If they miss some shots, like enjoy the journey, good, bad, whatever, but understand that like the process is the best part. Because like you said, once you start realizing the connections you make and all this, all the different things that basketball brings you and sport in general, 
it's amazing. It's it's true. And what you said, your words, it's a gift. And I think that's you've been given that gift and it's awesome. What a what a gift you have, Delvion. You you're an athlete, but you're you're also an advocate uh, for other people too right now. And that's that's if just as big, if not bigger, in my opinion, it's going to be be huge. So what's uh, the next steps? Last question I got for you. Next steps for Delvion Jackson in regards to your business as well as basketball. Where should we expect to see you in a year from today? So, yeah, in a year from today, um, obviously still going with basketball. That's definitely that's definitely in there. Um, and then just if you could um, it was what you said before. What was the other thing? My apologies. Oh, just where for your business, where should we expect to see wow. the business at this point? Like where where can we expect that in a year as well? Yeah. So business wise, um, there's already plans um, in the blueprint for that where the I'll just say definitely expanded a lot more um, in the sense where I've already gotten in good connectivity with people who are, you know, want me to either appear for the, for their podcast platforms. Um, I think the TED talk will be huge. I do. I do think that's going to be good and working with Victoria Garrett continually um, and just expanding that in sense of people here. Um, so like even now, currently just in, in Boise alone, like there's already been since my talk with Jeff, um, the connectivity is huge. Um, so from the, if, from where it is now to in a year, it's just, I feel like it's only going to progress um, in a positive manner. So, Dude, once you start that momentum, it's like a snowball effect. If you just exactly. got to get that momentum started. And once it starts, it rolls, yeah. brother. So I cannot wait to see what happens here. And when we start seeing, when we start seeing these universities and these different, these different programs start to employ some people that are, in that specific realm of work, I'm going to be like, Oh boy, Delvion's doing some work. I got it. Let's get it. So uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to be keeping an eye on that. And uh, Delvion, I look forward to, you know, keeping this connection in the future as well. I'll, I'll be doing my best to, to try to promote this for you and, and help you out the best way I can. I hope those who are listening, if you have a connection somewhere that can help Delvion mm-hmm. with what he's got going on, make sure to share this out, reach out to me or him directly. And we can, we can work something out there too. That's the beauty of having these platforms and doing these things is that, there's connections all around that, that and people with like-minded, you know, they're like-minded individuals who want to help out. So that being said, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for joining the show and uh, being willing to share your story with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. For those listening, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be coming to you with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.